Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better-than-okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about when is self-work too much? This is episode 48 of the podcast, which means I've spent the last 47 episodes going on and on about what you can work on, things you can try, think about your pillars, build up these aspects of your relationship with yourself, go, 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 do, 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 basically offering up so many options and ideas for things that you might want to improve upon, ways to enrich your life. And if you're anything like me, you're probably also reading tons of books or blogs or articles or listening to other podcasts on this topic. It's probably not just my voice in your ear. So it begs the question of when is self-work too much? When does self-care become self-punishment? Are you going about your self-work in the right way? Are you doing your self-care, your self-work from a place of loving yourself, encouraging yourself, being good to yourself? Or are you doing it in the spirit of, I'm not good enough. I really have to change this about myself. I hate this about myself, so on and so forth. Because it really does matter how you do this work. Because if you're using it as a way to punish yourself, as a way to reinforce some of these harmful stories you tell yourself about your inadequacies, why you're the worst person on the planet, why your situation will never improve, why you'll never be any better than this, then it's going to be doing more harm to you than good. It took me a long time to realize that healing is about learning how to love all of you, no matter what stage you're in, no matter how much progress you have or haven't made, no matter how happy or unhappy you are with things. It's not about obtaining perfection or some ideal that you have in your mind about what you should be like. So that's my first question, is are you doing your self-work from a place of self-love or are you punishing yourself for not being good enough? And if we're honest with ourselves, to one degree or another, many of us are doing our self-work or self-care from that place of perfectionism, from the place of not feeling like we're enough. We're not okay with who we are. We're not okay with the way things are now. We're saying things like, I will be happy when I achieve the perfect body. I'll be happy when I'm in the best relationship. I'll be happy when I have all the money I want and I'm no longer worried about things in my life. I'll be happy when X, Y, and Z. There's some conditions there. It's not unconditional love. We're telling ourselves we can have what we want when we achieve what we have to achieve in order to deserve what it is we're looking for. But anytime we do this self-work, we are giving ourselves an invitation. It's either an invitation to practice self-love, to say, I care about you and I accept you even if you're not as rich as you want to be, even if you don't have the partnership you want to have, even if you are not as successful as you want to be. 
I love and accept you even if you're not as pretty as you want to be or you're not as skinny as you want to be. Whatever it is, it's either an invitation to practice that self-love or it's an invitation to criticize ourselves. So I just want to bring this to your attention because I want you to ask yourself honestly which invitation are you accepting. Are you accepting the invitation to love yourself? Are you accepting the invitation to accept yourself exactly as you are? Or are you accepting this as an invitation to criticize yourself, to belittle yourself, to push yourself harder and harder? So that would be my first examination. And then whatever you answer, whichever side of the fence you fall, I also just want to share a few of the ways that I try to bring more love to my self-care practices. And one of the first ways that I try to make sure that I'm being loving and accepting and kind to myself is I work hard to identify what it is I'm saying to myself when I'm doing the work. So for example, I know that there's a part of my mind which has assimilated my father's critical voice. I have him in the back of my mind, the man who was always like, oh, you're too chubby, oh, your teeth are too big, they're not wide enough, they're crooked, oh, you have too many pimples, oh, you have bowed legs. He was always very critical of my physical appearance. And then he was also very critical of any flaws in my academic performance. So if I brought home a report card and it had a B on it, or God forbid a C, (laughs) you know, he was very quick to be like, oh, you're better than that. Why weren't you trying harder? Why aren't you doing the work? You know, it was never a question of what was going on or maybe why was I struggling. It was definitely because I was just a lazy bum who was not working hard, etc. And so I do have his voice in the back of my mind. And so when I'm doing some form of self-care, let's say, for example, that I'm trying to practice loving my body, if I'm looking at myself in the mirror and if the voice sounds a lot like his voice, if it's like, oh, God, I really need to lose 10 pounds, or even if I'm trying to make it sound like self-love, like, oh, I would be healthier if I was 10 pounds lighter, or oh, I would be healthier if I could just get my diet together. You know, sometimes it's really subtle of whether or not are we really talking to ourselves out of love and acceptance or is that just criticism masquerading as love and acceptance? And for me, it definitely depends on whose voice is speaking. And now I've done enough practice in this way that I can sort of discern when it's his voice and not my own voice. But it took me a while to hear the distinctions between those two voices in my head. I sound like a crazy person. And took me a minute to figure out which of the voices was whose. (laughs) But I think you get what I mean here, is this idea of who's talking and what are they saying to you? And is it loving or not? And who do you really want to listen to? And so I try to bring more love to my self-care practice by making sure that it's not my father's voice who's speaking to me. It's not one of these critical, judgmental voices who is talking to me when I'm trying to practice self-love. If I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I feel anything less than gratitude for my body, for my health, for how beautiful I am, if I'm not feeling those things, then that means somebody else is running their mouth and they shouldn't be. (laughs) And I need to get in there. I need to step in and up the self-love game. So just being aware of what I'm saying to myself when I do some kind of self-work. And that kind of harsh voice can really be present for anything. It doesn't have to be necessarily your body. Sometimes I run into this when I sit down to do meditation, I'm on the cushion and my mind's all over the place and I'm like, God, my concentration is awful. What's wrong with me? I need to get it together. This is because I Instagram too much, right? If I'm nagging myself or if I'm giving myself a hard time, 
that's still me not doing the work from a loving place. And so just being mindful again of what I'm saying to myself when I'm trying to do these self-care practices. Another place where I try to bring more love into my self-care practice is by making sure that my goals are realistic. And the reason why it's important that my goals are realistic is because they should not be grueling. They should not have overly high expectations. Because if I have this pattern of self-rejection, of self-judgment, giving myself a really high, unachievable goal, I'm going to be fluent in Spanish in one month. (laughs) Even though I work really hard on writing, I write a book in a month, you know, I'm really busy. There's no way I'm going to learn a language in a month. Maybe there are people out there who can become fluent in a language in one month. They probably have more time to study than I do, but I'm not going to be able to achieve that. And so if I give myself an unrealistic goal like that, and then when I fall short, And I use that as an invitation to be like, see, you suck, you're a terrible student, you don't work hard enough, your concentration is awful, you don't utilize your time very well, you're awful at time management. If I'm really ragging on myself like that, then that's me practicing self-rejection rather than self-acceptance. That's not me being my best friend, encouraging myself, and loving myself even when I fall short of the things I want to do. So I try to be very realistic in my goal setting because I know of my own tendency to practice self-rejection. So I don't even want to give myself the opportunity to do that. So I try to head that off right out of the gate. And then like I mentioned in the last episode, I try to prioritize celebrating. Just like if we had had the good fortune of having good parents, your parents would be very happy for you and encourage you and be thrilled every time you showed the smallest sign of progress. You know, imagine the happy, lovely parent, as I have many times, because (laughs) I was clearly craving that as a child, in which it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Look at you. You did so good. High five. Right? That person. Are you celebrating enough? Are you cherishing every little breakthrough and milestone that you achieve because that's what most of us need? Or are you notoriously bad at pushing on to the next thing about continually moving the goalpost farther and farther away? And Sean Acor talks about this in his TED Talk. If you haven't listened to his TED Talk, you should absolutely do so. It's great. But he talks about the human tendency to always move the goal even after we achieve something. So maybe you say, oh, I wanted to sell 10,000 books But then as soon as you get 10,000 books, you're like, oh, no, it should have been 20,000, 20,000. Nope, it should be 50,000. Nope. I know these people who are selling millions of books that should be a million books. You know, we refuse to stop and celebrate and be happy wherever we are. We keep saying we'll be happy when and then we put in a new goal. And so not celebrating ourselves enough, not being happy with the breakthroughs and the milestones, no matter how small they are, that sort of self-judgment self-rejection is not coming from a loving place. So bringing more love to the self-care practice in this instance would be being really proud of yourself even when you do the small steps, the small goals. And I mean tiny, like you're depressed and you didn't want to get out of bed that day, but you got up and you brushed your teeth. You know, be super proud of yourself that day for doing that. That was really hard. There were definitely days, some of my darker days, when I had zero desire or motivation to do any kind of loving or kind gesture to myself. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to brush my hair. I just did not want to take care of myself. And if I did it anyway, that was a cause for celebration. Like, wow, I didn't just lie in bed and starve today. Good on me. I didn't just lay in bed and cry all day. You know, good job. And so we have to find these ways, even when we are really struggling to be proud of ourselves, 
and to love ourselves and accept ourselves no matter how challenging it might be in that moment. And one of the things that really helps me to stay in a balanced place with my self-care to make sure that I'm practicing my self-care from a place of self-love and not self-punishment is this Buddhist idea of holding two truths in the mind at the same time. So the first truth is that you are perfect just as you are. And the second truth, that there is room for improvement. Both are equally true, not one or the other. So that's the center balance point that I try to operate from, that I should love and accept myself just as I am. I'm absolutely perfect. And I can continue to work on myself, but that I can continue to do so from this very loving and validating place rather than this demanding, punishing place. I try to make space in my mind for a reality that allows for two truths, the truth that I am lovable, I am enough, I am great just as I am, and also I don't like where I am right now. (laughs) I don't like who I am right now. And I can also take those feelings into Tonglin meditation. I've talked about Tonglin meditation many times, but where I don't want to sit with myself, I don't want to accept myself as I am. And then again, thinking about everyone else who feels that way, connecting with those people, sending relief and love to them, and to myself. Because accepting my feelings, accepting that there is room for me to grow, there is room for me to make minor improvements, it doesn't negate the fact that I'm also perfect just the way I am. You not liking yourself doesn't mean that you're not worthy of love and respect. That's a different issue altogether. (laughs) That's a totally different problem. And so finding space where Every act you do for yourself, everything you do for yourself is loving, it's accepting, it's kind. It's not because you hate yourself and you want to punish yourself for being awful. Another thing that tends to interfere with my ability to be loving and kind toward myself rather than self-punishing is if I'm comparing myself to other people too much or comparing my progress to other people and their progress. That's pretty close to the self-care as punishment idea as well. So for example, if I'm like, yeah, I meditated for 20 minutes today, but my friend, she meditates for an hour every day, and that's because she's so much more disciplined, and I suck, and I can't even like sit still for 15 minutes. You know, if it's from this comparative place in which I'm using it as an excuse to show how I'm not measuring up, how everyone else is doing better, it's not me practicing self-love. It's not me practicing self-acceptance. Self-acceptance would sound more like, I was only able to meditate for five minutes today, and I'm really proud that I sat down and meditated for those five minutes, even though I felt really busy and rushed and like I couldn't do it. I did it anyway, and I'm super proud of myself for doing that. That would be a more loving way to examine my meditation practice than by reaching out and looking for (laughs) comparisons, you know, because I probably have other friends who also don't meditate at all or can't meditate for 30 seconds. But I had to pick the friend who was really good at it so that I could be sure to punish myself for not being as good. That's how we do it. We always look for the person who's better than us. We don't look around at the people who are struggling just as much as we are on a particular thing. Because we have this terrible tendency to focus on the negative, to only point out what's wrong with ourselves, what needs to be done. And bringing too much negativity to our relationship with ourselves will cause that relationship to suffer. Just like any kind of friendship that you had, if you had a relationship with someone and you only focused on what you hated about that person or what you didn't like about that person, you would not have a great connection with that person. So it's just as necessary to focus on the good things about yourself, what you like about yourself, your progress, your accomplishments, your gratitude for yourself. 
be grateful for the person doing all this work. That person is you. <laughs> you know, basically all around, just trying not to be too hard on yourself. These are all ways to be more loving and kind to yourself rather than using your self-care as a punishment. So that's all I had for you today on this topic. I really just wanted to take a moment, 48 episodes in, to make sure that we were doing all this work from a very loving, accepting, kind place, that we're not out there beating ourselves up. We don't want to invite those kind of thoughts about ourselves. We want to have good, loving, positive, grateful thoughts for ourselves, no matter how far down we are, no matter how much we're struggling to do even the most basic things. Please, please, please speak kindly to yourself. It is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It only matters what you're doing for yourself. And it's really important for you to be grateful for yourself that you're doing this work. Because again, I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. Not everyone is doing the work. <laughs> if some people in our lives were doing more work, maybe we wouldn't have so much work to do. So not everyone is doing this work. So that alone, the fact that you even want to help yourself, the fact that you're even listening to this episode right now tells me that you're doing the work and you care about yourself. And so appreciate yourself and, and your willingness to do that work. And before I sign off, just another brief reminder that I've opened up the show to questions. And if you have a specific question or situation you want me to offer my thoughts or experience on, you can email me at corey at coreymshom.com, and that email will be in the show notes of this episode. And otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>